Let us together call upon the name of the Lord and seek his grace in his presence. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, you are the great creator God and enthroned upon the praises of your people, enthroned on high. You look down upon us, the sons and daughters of Adam, your people, and we praise you, Father. We lift up our songs. We bring to you our prayers. And we seek your grace in your presence this afternoon that as we enter into worship that you receive us into your holy presence. And Father, we acknowledge that we're not worthy in ourselves. And so we seek your grace that you've shown to us in your Son, our Lord Jesus, the Savior of the world. And so, Father, we pray that you bless us with your Holy Spirit, that as we open your word, you open our hearts, that we might hear and attend to the preaching of the gospel and not just have it a word for our ears or for our minds, but a transforming word, a word of comfort, a word of joy, a word of transformation, that we might, having heard your word, order our lives according to it and seek to serve you with joy in our day. We pray, Father, bless the reading of your word and the preaching of the gospel this day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In conjunction with the Sermon on Lord's Day 10, our scripture today is from Psalm 34. Psalm 34. Above the psalm we read the superscription of David when he changed his behavior before Abimelech so that he drove him out and he went away. Maybe you know the story of David when he's running from Saul. He goes to King Abimelech as a, among the enemies of Saul and then he's found out and David feigns madness and Abimelech sends them away. And then David writes this psalm, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. O oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. Young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O oh children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. 
When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. But the Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. This is the word of God. Before we turn to Lord's Day 10, let us sing of Psalm 34, 7 and 8. Psalm 34, 7 and 8. This afternoon, in your regular treatment of the Heidelberg Catechism, you come to Lord's Day 10. Lord's Day 10. So I was asked to preach on that. Find that on page 525 of the Book of Praise, Lord's Day 10. This is on the part of God the Father in our creation. And in the previous 
Lord's Day, we heard that God upholds and governs the whole universe by his eternal counsel and providence. And what do you understand by the providence of God? God's providence is his almighty and ever-present power, whereby, as with his hand, he still upholds heaven and earth and all creatures, and so governs them that leaf and blade, rain and drought, fruitful and barren years, food and drink, health and sickness, riches and poverty, indeed all things, come to us not by chance, but by his fatherly hand. What benefit, what does it benefit us to know that God has created all things and still upholds them by his providence? We can be patient in adversity, thankful in prosperity. With a view to the future, we can have a firm confidence in our faithful God and Father that no creature shall separate us from his love. For all creatures are so completely in his hand that without his will they cannot so much as move. After the preaching, we'll sing in response with hymn 65, 1 and 2. Beloved in the Lord Jesus, do you ever wonder if God cares about you? Things go well and you're happy and you think that you're thankful for the good things that you have. You're blessed and you think God is good. We live in an affluent society where we can get almost anything we want. Well, except, of course, what we all want always seems to be just out of reach. But I think you know what I mean. We live in a land flowing with milk and honey, of prosperity and riches. And our children and little ones are generally healthy, and if they're not, good health care is available for them. There's good care for our seniors. We don't live in a country like some in Africa and Asia where still half the babies born die before they're five where life expectancy is half of what ours is. With good health, we look forward to good years with our children and grandchildren and even great-grandchildren. People are planning for long retirements. Maybe it's only because I'm over 55, but it sure seems when I read the National Post that people can't stop talking about retirement and how they plan to make it long and pleasant. You're blessed and you think God is good. Then something bad happens. Your dishwasher fails on the same day that the transmission on your van packs it in. And the roof leaks. Or worse, your spouse is ill. Or a loved one dies. Or your career ends in corporate redundancy. Or maybe you're just in a dead-end job. Or you're picked on at school and you're bullied every day. Or maybe your past haunts you. Some sin you've committed. Or some sin committed against you. And it drags you down. And you turn it over and over in your mind. And there's no joy. 
or your marriage is a train wreck, or your children abandon the gospel, then you wonder, does God care about me? Lord's Day 10 and Psalm 34 help us here. For we confess faith in the Creator God, who is Father, for the sake of Christ His Son, who loves me, who laid down His life for me, who bought me with His precious blood, who bought me not with silver and gold, but with the blood of the Son whom He loves. We need to realize that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit exist in the communion of love with each other, and the Father was willing to give up His Son to rescue you. And that not only did the Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, die to pay for our sins, he's also setting things right again. There's a whole new world coming. And so we need to be thankful in prosperity, patient in adversity, with the view to the future, have a firm confidence that nothing can separate us, nothing can separate you from the love of God, which he has for you. So today I would preach God's word to you in this way. Follow your Lord quietly. Receive all things from your Father's hand. That is, have no human desperation. Realize that your life is in your Father's hand. No faithless resignation. And rest on your Father's heart. Just have trusting expectation. So receive all things from your Father's hand, no human desperation. The setting for Psalm 34 is David's in a bad spot. Saul is out to kill him, and he is on the run. He's gone over to the Philistines in 1 Samuel 21, 22, 23. You can read that story. How Saul pursues David, and he has no place to lay his head. And so in desperation, human desperation, he flees to the Philistines, the enemies of Saul. Even as Jesus said of himself, foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. But even as the Lord Jesus submitted his life to his Father, David instead seeks out his own way, and in desperate desperation seeks out protection among King Saul's enemies. And if you know the story even a little bit, you know that he's found out almost right away. And so he fakes madness. He's foaming at the mouth, and he's quickly sent away. It's in this context that he writes Psalm 34. And Psalm 34 comes to us in three sections of seven verses each, one through seven, eight through 14, and 15 through 21. And these three sections cover our three points. No human desperation no faithless resignation, just trusting expectation. So one of the first things we might do when we end up engaged in difficulty is to engage in human desperation, working out our own escape plan. This psalm begins, I will extol the Lord at all times. I will extol the Lord at every time, at every kind of time, and every kind of circumstance. That's his point. You might think of 1 Thessalonians 5 at 18. You can look it up, starting at verse 16. 
But the Apostle Paul writes, be joyful, always pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is God's will for you. Be joyful, pray, and give thanks at all times. That's what David says here. I will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. And the afflicted are the humble. The humble listen and rejoice. For there's no room for human boasting or human desperation. In 2 Corinthians 11 verse 30, Paul writes about how he fled from a foreign king, even as David was fleeing from him, the Philistine king. And Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 11, If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is praised forever, knows that I am not lying. In Damascus, the governor under King Aretas had the city of the Damascenes guarded in order to arrest me. But I was lowered from, by a basket from a window in the wall and slipped through his hands. And here Paul's words, if I must boast, I will boast in my weakness. I will boast in the things that show my weakness. David had learned that it's not by human ingenuity or desperation or scheming that one finds security, but his boast is in human weakness, even as Paul's was. So David begins his psalm, I have reason to praise him. Come, join me. And in verse 4 and 5, he says, This is my experience, and it can be yours. It can be yours. Seek the Lord while he may be found. He will deliver you from all your troubles and fears. And then notice what's happening here. There's a change of attitude, not a change of circumstance. It's a change of attitude, not a change of circumstance. A release from fear in spite of danger. And those who look to God are radiant. Those who look to God are radiant. In Isaiah 60, verse 5, radiant describes a mother's face lighting up at the sight of her children, long given up for lost. The prophet writes, lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar, and your daughters are carried on the hip. Then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. When I read that, I think perhaps of a soldier coming home from overseas who's given up his missing in action, walking into his mother's kitchen. On YouTube, you can see videos like that of soldiers coming home unexpectedly. You see the joy and the radiance in the faces of the family. The one who trusts in God will never be put to shame, Paul says in Romans 10:11 who trusts in God will never be put to shame. So I encourage you to do as David did when he said, this poor wretch called to the Lord in the midst of distress and was heard. We so often try to find human solutions as David had done. But now David says, learn from me, learn from me, learn from my experience. Call on the Lord in your distress and he will answer you. In fact, David is so bold to say, the angel of the Lord protects you. He encamps around those who fear him 
and he delivers them. The angel of the Lord, that name, the angel of the Lord, is used of God himself when he comes down to earth. It's the way of speaking of God in human form in the Old Testament. Of course, for New Testament Christians, we understand this to be fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ, where God comes to us in human form. But when David speaks of the angel of the Lord, it makes me think of 2 Kings 6. 2 Kings 6 at verse 13. The king of Aram wants to arrest Elisha. He's warning the king of Israel of enemy movements. And then we read about Elisha and his servant. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see them. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. The prophet and his servant see the armies of the enemies of God surrounding the city, and the servant is afraid. So the prophet prays that his eyes be opened. And suddenly it's as if a curtain is torn open. And he sees the armies of the host of heaven surrounding the city. That's how close heaven is. It's right there. It's right there. That's why David can say, The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Why should we be afraid like the prophet's servant when God is near? In fact, he's right here, right behind the veil. We might compare it to a stage. The actors play out their roles and their lives upon the stage of history. But behind them is the backdrop. Behind them is the backdrop. The curtain to a spiritual reality right there. Heaven and the host of heaven is right here, just behind the veil. And the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. No human desperation. And then realize that your life is in Father's hands. So no faithless resignation. The Catechism says all things come from Father's hand. Let there be no faithless resignation. No, it's as if with his hands he upholds heaven and earth. He's got the whole world in his hand. He's got the little itty baby and the grand galaxies under his control. Nothing comes by chance. And then David says, come, taste and see that the Lord is good. There's a blessing for those who find refuge in him. Life is not and never should be for God's people. Ah, well, I guess this is my lot in life. No, rather, taste and see that the Lord is good. Use your senses. This isn't just a spiritual reality. Rather, you can taste it. You can see it. We still use that expression when you really long for something. Say, I can almost taste it. David says, God is good. I can taste it. I can see it. 
I would say to you today that the Lord your God, your Heavenly Father, governs leaf and blade, rain and drought, fruitful and barren years, food and drink, health and sickness, riches and poverty. Indeed, everything comes not by chance, but from God's fatherly hand. No faithless resignation, no throwing in your hands up, no despair, no simple acquiescence. This is my fate. Rather, God is good. Taste it and see it. So we rest in Father's heart with trusting expectation. Answer 28, question 28 of the Catechism is the first time where it asks the so what question in the Catechism. And there's lots of so what questions in the Catechism. This is the first one. What does it benefit us to know? So what? So this is true that God upholds the world by his eternal counsel and providence. So what? What good does it do me to know this? What benefit is that? So it's true? So what? Well, we can live in trusting expectation. We live in the expectation of the coming of the Lord. That he not only has all creatures in his hand, he's got me, he's got you in his hand. So I can be patient in adversity. And David speaks of those who are in adversity in the last third of the psalm. He talks of those who cry out, who have troubles, who are brokenhearted, who are crushed in spirit, who have many troubles. He speaks of those who do evil and are wicked. Implied is that they act wickedly against God's people. David met those kind of people in his life. But he's confident. He's confident that the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him. His eyes see what's hidden. And many of us, I don't know you very well, I'm a visitor in your midst, but I dare say that many of us live with many burdens in our lives. There's much brokenness, many sorrows, many troubles. Among us are those sometimes who are crushed in spirit, And so as we learn to live with patience in adversity, we also learn that it's proper in times of trouble to cry out, to know that God is near you when you're burdened. God is near, right here behind the curtain. And you can rest your restless heart in him. And sometimes as God's people are burdened simply because we are God's people. And Peter quotes this psalm in his first letter. At 1 Peter 3, verse 10. Let's let's turn there. We're going to read from 1 Peter 3, at verse 8 to 18. The apostle writes, Be sympathetic. That's 1 Peter 3, at at 8 to 18. Be sympathetic. Love one another. Be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. And then Psalm 34. Whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. 
For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And then the apostle asks, Who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better, if it's God's will, to suffer for doing what is good than for doing evil. For God also, Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. Here the Apostle Peter says, it's good, it's good to suffer for the sake of God's justice. That we need to respond with faith and confidence in God, with gentleness and kindness to those who would revile God's people. You might read it in another place in the scriptures, do not repay evil with evil, for vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And that's what the psalm says as well. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil. He will deal with them in his own good time. There's a day of judgment coming. So we have a firm confidence in the future. The apostle John also saw the fulfillment of this psalm in the person of Jesus Christ. He sees the crucified Savior, his life committed to his Father, and the soldiers come to commit the coup de grace. They're going to break his legs, break the legs of the crucified men to hasten their deaths. But when they come to Jesus, they see that it's not necessary. They don't break his legs. And John sees the fulfillment of this psalm. The righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones, not one of them will be broken. And so we can have confidence that this psalm is fulfilled in the person of Jesus. And it's fulfilled for you and for me. For it ends with these words of comfort, an epilogue we might say. The last verse. The Lord redeems his servants. No one will be condemned who takes refuge in him. God's people, you and me, we connect the jubilant spirit of the song to the prof with profound gratitude. It's a great comfort, and we can have exquisite confidence. For we know the cost of verse 22. The Lord redeems his servants. We know the cost of redemption. The precious blood of our Savior, as Peter says, not with silver or gold, but with the precious blood of his own Son, did God redeem his own. And this psalm assures us that we need not, when troubles overcome us, engage in human desperation, nor faithless resignation, but with joyful expectation look to our Father in heaven. For no creature can separate us from his love. Nothing can, in fact, not just creatures. Romans 8, we read, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, 
neither angels nor demons, nor the present or the future, any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so David ends with this psalm, but no one will be condemned who takes refuge in him. For God's redemption in Jesus Christ is complete and finished. In Hebrews 5, we can read that our Lord Jesus Christ cried out with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his faithful obedience. He is the one who lived this psalm completely. The Lord Jesus is the one who kept his life from evil, his lips from speaking lies. He turned from evil to do good and sought peace and pursued it. He is the one who was delivered from all his troubles, who cried out in the Garden of Gethsemane and was saved from death itself, rescued from the grave. For Jesus died and rose again, and nothing is the same again. That resurrection changes everything. Because of Jesus' resurrection, I urge upon you, whatever your circumstances, whatever your circumstances, be patient in adversity, thankful in prosperity, have confidence for tomorrow. Follow your Lord quietly. No human desperation, no faithless resignation, just trusting expectation. For nothing comes by chance, and nothing that does come can separate you from the love of God in Jesus Christ your Lord. Amen.